You're listening to highlights from the Creative Process Interview with Gregory Jabara. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. And I want to speak about, you know, other families. You're talking about your television family. You spoke, um, I think, notably, you won the, the Tony for playing the dad and Billy Elliot, another, you know, um, and how, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know your exact chronology and uh, from stage to film you spoke of, um, or to stage to television and um, you spoke about your time at Juilliard, but speak a little bit about Billy Elliot and how that came about. I think that's just in between your television work that's fortuitously. Yeah, I, I would say Billy Elliot was kind of the end of a, about a 15 year run of doing strictly Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. Primarily my income was being as a stage actor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it would have continued, mm-hmm. you know, had, you know, blue blood not fallen into my lap, mm-hmm. you know, at a perfect time after, uh, uh, it actually dovetailed with Billy Elliot, but we, uh, uh, 22 years ago, my wife and I moved out here to Los Angeles from New York after we married, and the majority of my work, ironically, mm-hmm. after moving to L.A., when I was thinking it was time to really develop my TV and film credentials so that I could be cast in leads back in New York because I really, that's the reality of the, just the business aspect of working on Broadway is if you've got a big TV queue or you're a movie star, chances are people are going to invest in you to lead a role, lead a Broadway show because you're a much better investment. So it was, I was, I had a place in my career after played, playing several wonderful leading roles on Broadway, but it was time to go and get some more cred so I can come back and do more theater. I mean, yeah. that really was a logic. So we were in L.A. and um, at a, financially at a really dire time and realizing that um, I had to put my hat in the ring for another Broadway, any Broadway job, just to try and get it, just to have some income. And um, Billy Elliot was just, really was a, if you want to just talk the business aspect mm-hmm. as opposed to the creative aspect, um, just before Billy Elliot, I had done Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and I was wooed by the uh, producer. Uh, he said, look, this is a really great opportunity for you to get a, to get a, a award recognition, which is, you know, a, a phenomenal opportunity to help advance one's career if you're award-winning or award-nominated actor, you know, it's, it's something that goes in bold type on the resume and pe- that people notice and um, helps set you apart from others. For you, I mean, I know you uh, love the television work, but your love is, re- your first love remains the theater. Oh, it's, the, it's my favorite place to work. Uh-huh. Because uh, simply, uh, every night you are you receive confirmation from the audience who is the other half of the work equation Mm -hmm. that you are being successful in your storytelling Mm -hmm. Uh, and that happens every single night with a new audience every single night and really as an actor that's that's the work is going I'm going to be a storyteller and I want I I need to know that I'm successful taking you on the ride that's my job and that's that's what I need to know whether it's applause whether it's laughter, whether it's silence, but ultimately it really comes down to am I being successful 
telling the story and taking you on this journey. And you can do that every night, live theater. In film and television, you lose the gratification of that visceral, immediate experience, the give and take that is your success as an actor. That goes away because you're working, you know, you do great work, but you don't know if it, because then it gets manipulated by mm -hmm. editing and things are completely out of your control. Live theater, you are an integral part of the success of the experience every single night. In TV and film, I mean, you're important. You have to say the words so you sound like they're coming out of your mouth, but there's so many other variables that take over the work you've done after. So I do. I'm very appreciative of uh, uh, of the immediate importance of being alive backstage. But just uh, listening to you describe the uh, the casting process, how important would you say listening is? I mean, I know that's a really simple question, but in terms of getting roles in terms of collaborating with your cast, with your directors and, you know, how uh, the, I mean, taking direction is listening mm -hmm. uh, and then being able to implement it, I mm -hmm. think or at least take a stab at it uh, listening is vital listening is vital in the in the creative process mm -hmm. uh, in that um, there's a lot of discovery that has to happen um, not just in a stage production, even uh, working on our on the TV show. There have been times when Tom Tom Selleck would say, "Wow, that person really rehearsed really hard, mm. and they know all their lines, and they've made all the decisions about how they're going to play that role, and they locked it in before they went to bed last night, mm. and that's all they're doing today, mm. and they're not really working with us. They're kind of doing the same choices every single take." And um, that's gratefully something I learned not to do. Uh, you also always say yes during Billy Elliot. Can I tell the story without exposing this person? There was a cast member who simply didn't know how to go. The director would say, hey, what about, let's try this. Rehearsal comes to a screeching halt, and it starts a 20-minute debate on why that actor thinks this character wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Instead of, just try it once. Mm -hmm. Just try it. That'll take two minutes. And the director can either go, oh, you're right, I was out of my mind, or the actor might go, oh, hmm. And then we can move on. But literally, every time. And this person almost lost their job. Mm -hmm. Because... They, that just wasn't in their toolbox. Mm -hmm. Literally, their thing was, I'd rather discuss it. So mm -hmm. I think from the very beginning, understanding that people really are going to hoot, you know, you're going to spend three months or five years with this person. Yeah. I think somebody I want to hang out with. And, and that, you know, that's an amazing, that's an that's a lot to accomplish in a very short audition process. But it really, you know, you can tell. And, and I also had the opportunity to work as a reader. When I was a student at Juilliard, I was a reader for auditions for um, Simon and Schumann Casting, who was one of the prominent Broadway and TV and film casting directors in New York. So yeah. 
I got to see from the other side oh. how what the thought process is, what the difference is between walking in the door and already getting the job before you open your mouth yeah. to the people who have who are, who are immediately sabotaged the moment they enter the space. You know what I mean? So there were many, a lot of opportunities that I don't know how. I guess someone said, "Hey, there was a work study job. There was a work study opportunity. That's what it was." And I went, "Yeah, I want to do it, but not because I went, oh, this will be, you know, just." No, but that's that's very smart. I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, that's invaluable to hear the behind the scenes conversations, and even to know, even when a good performance uh, might be coming, to know that oh, maybe that job's already given to someone else. To you know, or like that they're just tired at the end of the day, just to see, just to think from their perspective. You know. Yes. Yes. And one of the Simon and Kimmel experiences when they were cast recasting for Bright Beach Memoir, uh-huh. and I was a reader for that on Broadway back in you know the early '80s, and um, they offered me the national tour as a reader. Uh-huh. Uh, Neil Simon and uh, Manny um, Manny Kotaitis, but uh, they I wasn't even auditioning, but they spent the whole day watching me read opposite of all these other, and they went. You're actually perfect for this. We, you t- we want to offer you the job. And I was like going, first of all, thinking, wow, this is outstanding. Here I am, Manny Eisenberg, that's Manny yeah. Eisenberg, producer, and Neil Simon standing, getting up out of their chairs, walking to the front stage, hey, we think, we think you're the guy. <laughs> and I'm going, wow, thank you. That's great. But I still have a year, I have to finish my third year, and I have another year to go. So I need to finish. And then when I'm done, the job's still there. I would love to do it. And they kind of went, oh. I mean, I don't, actually, I don't know. They said, okay. But I was like, that. I also had that. Do you, re- do you regret that, then? Did you didn't get to be a part of it, or did you get to be a part of that? Oh, no. No, it was the right thing to do. Because, uh-huh. you know, the, the here, my belief is, from my experience, there'll always be work. You know, you just have to, I mean, as long as you have the, the, the privilege of the opportunity to be considered for work, mm-hmm. you, you know, the opportunity to keep throwing yourself at projects or the opportunity to go and try and sell yourself. But there's, you're always going to find a way to make a buck. Mm-hmm. But I, I needed to finish that school. It was, it was, it was a very safe, mm-hmm. it was a safe, and then, you know, to have the completion and agree, it really was for my parents. Mm-hmm. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.